The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and we are going to be starting a new year. This is January 2020, and uh, here we go. We have done some talking together, and we've decided that uh, what we want to do during this year is we want to look uh, at Scripture from a, from, and uh, look at Scripture specifically uh, from an exegetical standpoint, meaning that what we're going to do is we're going to take um, uh, Scripture and we're going to address uh, the Scripture and then talk about it between uh, Josh and I as to how it pertains to what's going on uh, today and so forth. Uh, what we've decided is we're going to take uh, um, the Old Testament, we're going to take one week Old Testament and one week New Testament. So for this year, we're going to start out, uh, well, in the beginning, the book of Genesis. And we're going to go through the book of Genesis and just kind of, now what we're going to do is we're not going to take it verse by verse, uh, as in, you know, having to read every separate verse. But what we're going to do is we're going to take the concept of each a passage and explore that particular passage. We're going to do that both uh, in Genesis, and then uh, we want to look at uh, the in the New Testament, First uh, and Second Thessalonians, um, and uh, look uh, at that specifically uh, because uh, we are whether you <laughs> whether you believe it or not. Um, from all indications, we are in the end times, and the and First uh, and Second Thessalonians gives us some specific guidance about things we need to be aware of. So that's the plan at this point. We're still going to have uh, uh, what's up with that section, 
Um, I do have questions about there's there's a couple questions that uh, as listeners you can kind of give us your your take on uh, the direction you'd like to go here, uh, whether I do a, a current events type of thing or whether we talk about something uh, specifically related to uh, family relations and um, and what scripture has to say and how you maintain those types of things, specifically marriage and uh, in dealing with children. Uh, but marriage is such a, a broad category that uh, we could spend uh, quite a bit of time there. So why don't you give us some feedback and let me know. Either I can do a section on current events uh, and or, and, and, and there's lots of stuff going on that we could certainly talk about. This is a, polit- this is a political year, and meaning that we have an election coming up in November We've got a president that uh, is um, forthright in carrying out and trying to answer his promises, but a lot of people are not happy with some of the things that are going on. Uh, He has been impeached by the House, but uh, that impeachment per our Constitution is um, is not valid because the House is required to give it to the Senate. And they're holding on to it. So has he been impeached? Mm, not really. The process has not been gone through. So, you know, do we talk about those types of things? Do we talk about the fact that uh, General Salamone of Iran was, uh, was killed and the repercussions of, uh, of uh, a, a, a war with, uh, with Iran? Lots of stuff going on. So do you want to talk about those types of things or um, in God's perspective on, on how to deal with that? Or do you want, to, uh, you want something, as I said, more relational? Give us some feedback on those things. Let's get into um, Scripture, though, and start out in the book of Genesis. So I assume we're starting right at chapter one. Chapter one. Okay. Chapter one, verse one, and uh, then we'll we'll go from there. So, um, so some background for you in regard to how scripture is laid out in regard to Genesis chapters one through, well, all the way through um, two and into three. But sometimes people are confused because they they think that there are different stories which are present in regard to creation. That's not accurate, though, because you have to understand that the way that the Hebrews wrote things is they would write a general description of something, and then they would go back and they would be more specific. And so what we see... You're talking about the two, the two uh, creation narratives? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... So we're going to start out Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was uh, formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And then God called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the first day. So that if we go through 
and we take uh, the next several verses, um, basically verse 5, you know, all the way down to uh, basically verse 20, um, we see God uh, beginning to take the five days and beginning to, you know, call apart the waters and separate the waters, bring about land. Uh, we see uh, animals coming about in their creation. We see vegetation coming about as its creation. We see the, uh, the lights in the expanse of the sky uh, being separated with the day and night. And, and um, so all of these things are noted there. And then uh, we see God's hand in how it is that uh, he put animals and living things on the earth uh, he called them to be fruitful and to increasing numbers and fill the skies and 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 uh, this all happened and that uh, took place on the fifth day. And then on the sixth day, he said, "Let the land produce living creatures according to their uh, kinds, livestock creatures that move amongst the ground, wild animals, each according to its kind." And it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move on the ground according to their kind, and he saw it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our own likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. And God created man in his own image, and God created him male, and female, and he created them. So there's kind of a, a mouthful there when you take uh, into uh, consideration what is being said, but what we have here is the creation story in Genesis giving us an understanding of, of God's design and purpose. So let's begin with the basic understanding of what's taking place here. If, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you believe that God's word is so, then you have for you uh, a listing, as it were, of an understanding of God's hand in creation. Now I would say that this, this is one of the most uh, paramount issues that mankind deals with. There are three questions that man deals with, uh, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, most people subconsciously, but these three questions govern an individual's life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? All of uh, philosophy, all of uh, theology revolve around those three questions. And it's interesting that... Um, we have lots of different things going on in regard to creation. So it, a lot of things hinge on our understanding that is here. So we have uh, the basically the belief that uh, God created the world in six days. Now there are people that debate, did he actually create it in, in six 24-hour days? Did he create it in six days? Uh, over a uh, each day representative of a thousand years, did he? How uh, we don't have definition as to how that happened. What we do have, though, is we have some uh, interesting science 
which uh, verifies uh, through scientific method that um, what Scripture tells us is that God spoke and the world came into being, that it, it formed uh, instantaneously at the speaking of his word. And we do have um, Dr. Charles Chittick, who is now deceased, but Dr. Chittick, uh, an expert in creation science, used to talk about the fact that, that um, there are, um, that, that we have proof um, through science of God's creative hand because of what is called radial halos. And I don't know if you've heard this before or not, but, but likely not. Um, radial halos are um, when, when something, when radiation, uh, what happens is, is radiation sends out as, as the atom revolves around the, the neutrons revolve around the atom. What happens is, is they put out um, emanations, as it were, of energy. Um, and uh, if you go out and you throw a pebble into a water or into a stream, and you well into water uh, that is that is not moving particularly, you can see it best. But you throw a pebble into that water, what you have is when the pebble hits the water, you have rings that emanate out from the pebble. Have, have you seen that before? Josh, have you seen that before? Of course. Of course you have. So <laughs> radial halos are, are a visual understanding of it are the same thing. So as the, as the neutrons revolve around the atoms and, and, and we now know that this is how the world around us works, is we're all made up of various types of atoms that God has put together in various fashions. But energy takes place in this way. Um, there are rocks which you can go to, the, particularly uh, rocks that have been looked at in Australia, for example, where they've taken portions of uh, these rocks and split them apart and looked at them under a magnet or a, ma a magnifier, and have discovered that there are what's called radio halos. And what that means is, is that as these, as these, this energy was being expanded, when God spoke in the world, so that which was, it says here that the world was, was not solid and it was without form. And when God spoke and the world came into being, those, um, those emanations that were present were frozen in time. And so they, and so you have pictures uh, in these, in these uh, ancient rocks of the fact that they went instantaneously so that the energy emanations from the, uh, from the atoms were frozen and you have what's called this uh, radial halo. That's a proof. It's a proof that um, that God's word is true. Do you know if uh, there's any scientific, um, like, have you followed that development? Because that was like the 1980s. They were talking about that. Do you know? Do you know if there's been any pushback on that particular subject? There, to my knowledge, there hasn't. But the best place to you to go uh, to look at those types of issues is Creation Science Institute. And down in California, Creation Science Institute, I believe it's in L.A., 
but they have just a, a phenomenal uh, array of books and other things to help believers understand the dynamics of creation. Is it creation science or creation research? Well, it's, I think it's creation research. Could be creation research. Okay. Creation. I'll, I'll, research. Post, I'll post a link. Yeah, Creation Research Institute. And obvi- I mean, obviously, I, I want to make something clear. What Pastor Monty is talking about is widely debated. Okay, like it's the people have their own presuppositions for how information should be given. What's being stated here is not that this information is what makes the Bible true. It's that there is scientific evidence that supports the Bible's claims as much as, um, as well, there's scientific evidence that supports the Bible's claims. And this, this information can't necessarily be refuted. Um, you know, we, there's, a, there's a historical way of looking at evidence, and this information can't necessarily be refuted. And so here's something that you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to reconcile with your worldview. So people have different ways of reconciling that, and maybe this, because we weren't there with a video camera watching this all take place, maybe we can't necessarily say that this is proof of God, but of God's hand in creation, but you also can't deny when you're giving a case for evolution that this is inconsistent with evolution. Right. And, and, and that Christianity actually – and that it is consistent with the Christian narrative. Yeah, and, 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 and that's important because when you start getting into uh, issues like, for example, I mean, you, when you look at television and, and uh, you watch things like National Geographic or, or uh, some of the different programs that are out there, they presuppose that Darwinian-style evolution is how man came into being. And so they're going to they're going to take like you know um, you you came from a, an ape, and so you're you're a bipedal primate and you came from an ape and you evolved into what you are today, and in those types of issues, um, there are still people who believe that and still people who pursue that belief uh, and push it onto. Many times that style of thinking is pushed on to uh, children early when they go into, for example, the educational system. Sure. Because they the want, public education yeah, system. Yes, the public education system because they want, they want to feed them their narrative. If you look, however, at uh, Darwinian-style uh, evolution, um, it's been debunked several times over. So if you don't if you don't fall into that idea, then maybe what you need to fall into is we came from aliens. Well, and let me just state um, when he's saying that it's been debunked, what he's saying is there there's no uh, sound evidence for what we call macroevolution. There's well, my, yeah, tons of evidence for microevolution. Right, and that and that is very well a part of God's design. But when we talk about macroevolution, what we're talking about is that you have to take into consideration the laws that exist today that govern our world. So the basic theory at the at the bottom of the theory of Darwinian style evolution, uh, if you take it all the way back and strip it down, is the idea that the world was formed out of chaos. 
and that the world continues to evolve then. So the world came together out of chaos. There was a singular event, and we, they don't know what that event was. Some purport that there was what's called a Big Bang Theory. Some others uh, report that... Uh, uh, somehow there was some type of a catastrophic uh, event which caused uh, the uh, the two amoebas to come together and all of a sudden they started growing and the world as we see it around us just evolved from all of that. Um, but at the very base of that uh, theory is the idea that order comes out of chaos. Right. And, and yet, if you're a and yet the first question, if you're going to take that view and promote that view, and you're a scientist, which most of these people feel that they are scientific. They are science, then science you, scientists. Then you have to, then you run square into the face of the uh, second law. Is the second law of thermodynamics? If you're talking about the entropy law, yes. Yes, it's the second law of thermodynamics, which which is a law which governs the world in which we live in, which basically says that, um, that uh, chaos does not grow into order, but the reverse, that order is slowly becoming, is deteriorating and slowly becoming chaotic. And so if you're a scientist that purports Darwinian-style um, uh, idea behind evolution and, the and, and, and where we came from, then that's an automatic problem right there. Nonetheless, that you've got all these different, I want you to think about it for a second. And, you know, Scripture says that God created the animals after their own kind. And so they were designed very specifically. God's creation was very specific in its design. And yet what they're indicating in, in uh, this uh, Darwinian style of evolution is that somehow animals evolved into what they are today from one thing or another. You have people saying, for example, this this lizard was actually a bird at one time, or the reverse, this bird was actually a lizard at one time. And so you have paleontologists and various others who look at these uh, bones that they found and try to give understanding and structure to the bones that are there. Um, the problem with that is, of course, there are... To date, well, the problem that you're really exist that you're dealing with is the same thing that we deal with with uh, Sasquatch. Now, I don't know if you're a believer of Bigfoot. I kind of like the whole Bigfoot thing. I mean, from a, from a social science standpoint, a sociologist standpoint, and anthropologically, you go back and you look at many of the Indian tribes that are uh, out there today. That inside of their histories both uh, written and oral histories, many Indian tribes in the Pacific Northwest, which is a, a hotbed for uh, Bigfoot lore, and other places around the U.S., we have uh, tales going back hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, Bigfoot existing. And yet, to date, with all of our scientific data and everything available... We still don't see a Bigfoot. 
It's the same thing with all of these uh, these things that have evolved. Where where are the if things are in the process of evolving from one species to another, or species are beginning to change, where are the links? There should be lots of links, and there are none. So that's a problem. There's lots of problems that are there. I mean, we could go on and on, but let's move over to, uh, if you don't agree with uh, our D Darwinian style of uh, evolution, then maybe what you believe is that, uh, well, ancient uh, astronaut uh, alien theorists teach that we are here on the Earth because we were populated by an alien species. <coughs> they landed in the Andes, various other places. And again, if you're a social scientist or you're an anthropologist and you look at the the uh, symbols and the stuff that are there from ancient cultures, the Mayans, the Aztecs, over, uh, you know, the, uh, um, over in the Babylonian area, uh, Middle East, Egypt. Uh, you, th there are uh, carvings um, in their history which are representative of, of possibly uh, aliens visiting uh, our planet. And so we possibly are the, uh, the seed of aliens, and that's the reason why we see more and more UFOs that are unidentified because they're coming back to check up on us. You hear? <laughs> am, am I going off into the weeds or what? Yes. This this is, but the the reason I present this is because these are the theories that are out there. Look, if you reject the truth, <laughs> and you know, and, and you you are willing to concoct and believe in anything in order to, um, in order to uphold your biases. Um, personally, with the, uh, here's, here's my theory. Personally, with the, um, with the uh, reinventing of uh, Star Wars and the new picture coming out. It's already out. I, I, I believe that it's very possible that uh, really what we are is uh, we're a byproduct of the, uh, of the rebellion. And you, that, and do you mean the rebels? Yeah, yeah, the rebels that, that they were looking for a place to settle and they settled here on I think, Earth. I think you're confusing Star Wars for Battlestar Galactica. No, 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 no. I mean, this is my theory. I'm okay. not confusing the two. I See, Battlestar Galactica, they were thrown off their planet and they were looking for a home. Right. I'm just saying that since Star Wars happened many, 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 many years ago. Right. So did Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, it's, it's possible that the rebellion could have, we could, we basically could be a colony. And, uh, and because mankind is rebellious in nature. It fits. I wonder how many. It fits. I wonder how many people, if <laughs> if George Lucas was all of a sudden to say that you know these things were actually part of a vision, I wonder how many people would be like, oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I people are very connected to <laughs> to the idea of the Force. Oh my goodness, yeah, it's it's crazy. So um, there's all kinds of theories out there, but but look, what Scripture says is is very. Uh, candidly put, that God spoke and the world came into being, and that God spoke and and uh, not only did the world come into being, 
but through a series of days, God created vegetation and wildlife. God created animals after their own kind. All these animals that you see out there, they are by specifically God's design. Yeah, you know, I don't find a lot of, I'm just being honest, like some of the stuff that you were sharing about the, like, radial halos and, um, gosh, what was the other thing that you were saying? I don't know. I've said so much. Um, you mean uh, in regard to the, the uh, uh, law of thermodynamics? Yeah, especially that one. I find the law of thermodynamics one kind of weak um, in terms of, like, compelling evidence. I find that one particularly weak, but the one, and I've I've read some decent um, arguments against it that have to do with like the displacement of biomass and so on and so forth. Anyway, sure, sure. But the the one that I always think is interesting is the Cambrian explosion, where in our fossil records we find the that the animal kingdom like jumped up like a huge amount. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we just have fossils appearing. Right. At first, it was no uh, no vertebrate, and then it was you know. Vertebrate. Now all of a sudden, we have like full fledged animals in the right. fossil record, and I have n- I've yet to find a compelling reason for that. I've heard of like all sorts of differing views on evolution and how um, and how evolution might work to support that, where they've sort of had to scramble to to make it work. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, long before the idea of evolution, which is a, like, very new idea. Yeah, yeah. Long before the idea of evolution, like, the the belief in the cultures kind of across the board was that there was some sort of creation. Right, and that, and that all of this took place out of man and, and, and see, remember that, um, and many people don't know this, but... But Darwin was, uh, in essence, as a young man, a theology student. And so he rejected, he, he rejected the seminary and the teachings he was getting at the seminary. And then he began, he went to the Galapagos Islands and, you know, he saw these very things and he began to postulate that maybe this is what took place. Um, it's, a, it's fairly new. But we go back to my point earlier, and that is that if you disagree or you reject what Scripture has to say because it just doesn't speak to you, then you're going to accept anything that comes along that might answer that question of where did we come from. And that, well, that's specifically that opening line of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. That is a worldview. Yeah. You know, and then from that worldview, we sort of diverge into nuances. But the truth is, is that understanding that one line really um, dictates how you live your life. I, I agree. And, and, and that's kind of a segue into saying that as we close this, uh, this section of, uh, of our discussion for today, at least. Remember, we're going to have an ongoing discussion for the next several months. Uh, in this year as we as we continue to look at scripture but look here's the basis if that's the start if that's our starting point then what is really being said is that god created and that means that there was design and purpose and that extends to the whole of his creation it extends to all the animalia it extends specifically 
to man and to woman. Yeah, and that distinction is very interesting, especially is, in this day and age. Especially now, since there are, what, 60-plus different ways people can uh, self-identify themselves. Um, but God's word is very clear. He made them male, he made them female, and it says that he saw that it was good. Yeah, that and that he created, right? Yeah, and there's a, there's a finality to that. So if we want to understand, and we're going to explore this a little bit later, as, as we are, if we want to understand the makeup of, of mankind, then we need to understand what, the, what is representative when we say that God created man, it actually scripture says, and he was created in our image. Right. What is that image of the triune God, which is represented here as we begin to discover later? What is that image of the triune God, which we bear as his creation? Right. And that also becomes the, the center point then for, for look, I, you know, we're, we will at one point get into the issue of sexuality and sexual expression. But in today's world, there are so many people who are, 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 are of the belief and they are willing to compromise that either uh, a mistake was made or they're not what they think they are or whatever, because there's so much confusion. Listen, God's word is not confused. It said God created male and female, and he saw it was good, and there's a finality to that. So you can stand on God's word to say there are not 60-plus different ways to self-identify yourself. God created you either male or female, and you are one of the other. Well, how he created you. I mean, you can you can say that there might be like I'm just you know theologically playing devil's advocate. You can say because of sin that there are now deviations that have happened. Well, yes, but because, you can't say because of God's standard. That's that's exactly correct, and and yes, we will get into more detail. Uh, for example, there are um, instances we know medically that there are instances where uh, a child's been born with two vaginas. You mean, or, or do you mean penis. like, you mean like hermaphroditic, basically? Yeah, yeah. You mean having two private areas? Yes. Yeah, but what we don't, that is that is true that, that we've seen that, but there's always a passive one, and, and we've never seen the, uh, functioning. There's no evidence of no. two functioning No, but, but when you get, but... But to take off on your point, Josh, what I'm saying is, yes, we do know that there are elements of sin which has corrupted God's design. And there's there's interesting things. There's, you know, like um, getting into conversations about the X, XXY versus right. just XY. Right. right. There's, there's interesting conversations. But what we're talking about here is, you know, God's standard, what he intended and what he said was, was good. Um, there's... You know, there's a lot of people who think that because they, there's a lot of people who think that because they have a, something that is not um, considered the standard, uh, whether it's like a disability, for instance, or right. something like that, that that must be automatically good. Um, I just don't, I, I just don't find that to be compelling. 
um, for what, and when we talk about good, we're talking about what, what's meant to be normative in creation. I mean, you know, uh, like, like I, I think about like the, the small feet, for instance, of, um, women in China, you know, where they wrap the feet and don't allow them to develop. Right. And there's, there's micro evolution that's taken place because of that. Does that mean that it's good? Like I, I just don't, I just don't agree that that certain physical ailments or certain physical um, micro evolutionary traits or anything like that uh, should just be viewed as good. And I think it's interesting that we pick and choose because, on the one hand, we say that, for instance, a person with alcoholism, you know, that they have this epigenetic trait of alcoholism in their family. It runs in their family. They're right. a victim of it. Right. Why do we call them a victim of it? if it's something that's genetic. And there's a whole victim mentality that is out there that that plays into that. So I just don't that where why are why are we playing fast and loose with morality? Um I I have to think that the reason why we play fast and loose with morality is because our standard is us and we're being arbitrary with it and we're saying whatever suits us is good and whatever doesn't suit us is bad. And that includes, you know, our physical makeup and so on and so forth. Um, it's just easier, let me be honest, it's just easier to go by a standard that's not arbitrary. Um, and it's just more rational to go by a standard that's not arbitrary. And if you start by saying God created and that, the, that he has control because he's the creator over what's good and then let everything fall under that, then you at least have something to work for. You there's um gosh, I was just reading about this uh I think he was transgender. James Shule, I wanna say. Okay. Um let me look him up. Okay. So while you're doing that, we'll close out with your thought when you find uh, when you find him bit so so for for us, for believers, for those that you know have given ourselves over to uh, what Scripture teaches, Scripture becomes the final place for where we address the issues that we face in life. And as I said, this is a primary issue for all of mankind. In my in my case, all of creation. But I don't care whether you're talking to somebody who's a, a an agnostic or an atheist or somebody who views. Uh, you know, uh, life from another uh, philosophical or, or theological position, all, everybody that I've ever talked to, these three issues hit home. And the first one is uh, the starting point for where did I come from? And so Josh is, is uh, Pastor Josh is, is exactly correct that as believers, that gives us security in knowing that I can stand upon God's word to understand that the, what I see around me is because it was by God's design and purpose, and I can build my life on that and have security in that. And we're going to explore that a little bit further um, but let's close this section. Uh, Josh, did you find your did you find your uh, guy there? My story, yeah, I'm I'm still kind of looking for it. Um, I can't quite find it. But the long and short of it is that he, he it's a famous case. He is he's a famous case 
um, I think it's in Oregon. He is the one where he had the case where he wanted his license changed. Oh, okay. Um, his first name's James. I I swear it is. Um, but he wanted his license changed to reflect basically gender dysphoria, and he he wanted his license changed, and he got that 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 happened. And he found that it didn't actually affect his life yeah. um, well. And he continued to spiral out of control and so on and so forth. And his case is used all the time in courtrooms um, as, you know, to, to advocate for that position. And just recently he had, it was a New Year's ruling actually. Um, he had his name, uh, his name and his gender put back on his license oh, as, as he, his starting he, he his, went he went back he went back and he's sad that his he said that his case has done that because he really felt like um the standard was a lot was a lot less arbitrary than he thought it was and it was actually like neurosis it was a sickness in his mind that he needed to that he needed to work through and that doctors instead wanted him like basically were advocating for his feelings and if people had had said you know go with the standard and actually pushed him to go with the standard then maybe he wouldn't have gone through those years of difficulty yeah yeah and and uh, you know it reminds me of uh, that I'll try uh, and find the link to that it reminds me of that which holds true in a lot of life it it reminds me of that uh, saying of the uh, future prophet Spock, right? Um, having is not wanting is uh, having is not the same as wanting. Having is not such a thing as wanting. No, having is not the same as wanting. No, that's you not may, what he says. You may want what you think you get, but when you get it, it's not there. You're gonna look up and give him the exact quote. I'm telling I you, I paraphrased it. That's fine. Um, the point is, is that people want a lot of stuff, and when they actually get it, they find it's not the same thing. And there is truth in that. Here it is, the exact quote, Star Trek Season 2. So the original series, Star Trek Season 2. Uh, okay. The beauty of the uh -huh. computer. Star Trek Season 2, the episode, episode 1 of Season 2, Amok Time, 1968. That's the one where Spock experiences Ponfar. Yes. Um, and it says, After a time, you may find that having is not so pleasing a thing, after all, as wanting. Is not it is that not what I just said. illogical. That is not at all what you said. <laughs> uh, it is not illogical, but it is often true. Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, okay, so... Listen, listen. She is yours. After a time, you may find that having is not so pleasing a thing after all as wanting. Wow, he really spoke that like uh, William Shatner. Yeah, he did good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to close this section. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to go to the New Testament and begin looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians. Um, and so we're going to alternate back and forth in regard to that. But let's... Uh, hey, let's if you, just for our audience out there, like we barely scratched the surface of Genesis. Like we, we really only covered like one verse. Oh, we're going to be here for a while. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, 
we're dealing with kind of complex issues and neither of us are scientists over here. Um, but if you have objections you want us to look into or you want to talk about, if you have comments or thoughts, um, feel free to, you know, send, send those messages to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's uh, do something a little bit lighter. With, or if uh, you want to come on the show and uh, you know, oh, yeah, discuss with us. Want, if you want to come here and uh, be a part of the show, we'd love to have you. Let's uh, go to What's Up With That. Well, you know, I'm always looking, uh, always looking ahead for my audience to, uh, if some of you are out there looking for a, a unique job opportunity. Right. Um, and uh, I happen to come across a, uh, a, a unique job opportunity. If you, uh, if you feel that uh, you would like to be a hot dogger. A hot dog. A hot dogger. Then uh, Oscar Meyer is uh, looking to have you come on board and drive the uh, Weenie Mobile uh, ac- <laughs> across the United States. I believe it's called the Weiner. Or the Weiner, the Weiner Mobile um, across the United States and do PR for them. Listen, listen. This is not. This is not a lightweight job. It requires a uh, a BA or a BS. Uh, Definitely degree. the BS. Yeah, <laughs> I'd lean towards the BS degree. <laughs> right. But uh, you know they're they're uh, promoting it as uh, an advertising PR type job, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what you'd be. So you could put on your resume. You know, uh, I I was a hot dogger. Okay. Okay. So if any of you are interested in that, contact Oscar Meyer and. And uh, check that out. See if you can wrap that baby up and put it in a bun. Um, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, if if you have children, there are certain gifts that you want to be careful that you uh, that that you don't leave your children alone to explore. And there was a woman in Texas who found this out the hard way. When she gave her 12-year-old son a magnifying glass for Christmas. Now, they live in Texas, right? So, there's lots of sunshine in Texas. And what would any 12-year-old boy want to do but uh, not try to see whether things are bigger, but try to see whether he could light things on fire? But of course... So he went out and in the driveway, he started out good. He went out in the driveway and him and his brother proceeded to use that magnifying glass to light the uh, to light uh, newspaper on fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The problem was the wind was blowing mm. and it grabbed the newspaper that was on fire and blew it over onto their yard, which was bone dry. Oh no! And the front before they confessed to their mother that something was wrong. Uh, normally, by yelling and screaming, the front yard had been completely burned out. Poor kids. <laughs> That's sad. That's tough. That's a tough way to learn, right there. 
So, uh, you know, if you give your kids those type of gifts, you might want to give them some guidance. Yeah. <laughs> on how it is that they uh, how it is that they deal with that. I've got a third one that I I uh, came across that I thought was interesting, but I can't I can't remember it. I'm going to have to write these down. You know, I'm I'm just getting too old. It's true. Um that's happening. Yeah, it's happening. Okay. So that's that's let's just leave it at that. Those are two uh, rather humorous types of things that are going on. Let me uh let me just provide some basic commentary. We talked about um, some of the things that are going on, but but um, you know, as believers, we need to really pray for the world in which we live in today, because there are things going on that uh, are vital to um, the Lord's return, and I'm still trying to figure out how how it all plays out. Um, you know, this thing with, uh, first of all, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the impeachment of, of President Trump uh, is fascinating just from the standpoint that people say that they don't like something. But so, so when you listen to the Democrats, they rushed forward everything that they could try to possibly rev up in regard to this is we're going to impeach our president and then um and they needed to get this done they just needed to get it done as quickly as possible before christmas and so then they ran it through the house which is controlled by the democrats at this point because they have more votes they ran it through the house and so they got the impeachment done and then once the impeachment was done uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, walked it back and said, "You know what? I don't, I don't know that I want to turn this over to the Senate." Um, before we continue on that, can I go back? I did find that article. Oh, you did find it. Okay, I know this. Yeah. This story is kind of in people's minds, so I feel like they'll be able to hold on to that information. Okay. But, okay. Um, I'll post the article, but the headline reads: "I was America's first non-binary, and it was all a sham." Um, Interesting. Let's see. Three years ago, and I'll post the headline, but three years ago I decided that I was neither male nor female but non-binary and made headlines um, after an Oregon judge agreed to let me identify as a third sex, not male or female. And that's the very first case in the United States of yeah. that happening. Yeah, interesting. But now I want to live again as the man that I am. I'm one of the lucky ones. Despite participating in medical transgenderism for six years, my body is still intact. Most people who desist from transgender identities have gender changes can't. Can't, can't say the reverse, same, right. and there's the article goes on and on. So I just, um, yeah, I couldn't remember where it was from, but that's that's kind of an example of um, this guy gives his testimony about what what happens, and he's a case study. Yeah. So he gives his testimony about what happens when you live by an arbitrary standard. Right. So, right. and I don't know if he's a Christian. I'm just, you know, fascinating read. Might want to listen to his testimony. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I posted it. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Josh. So, um, so all I'm saying is, is it's fascinating that you have these people that are claiming that they have to put the things in a rush, and then they they stop it. Now that so that's what we have going on culturally. And if you read the Constitution of the United States, what the way that it's set up is that our Constitution gives the authority 
of investigating um, the impeachment to the House of Representatives. But it gives the authority of, of uh, prosecuting the impeachment to the Senate. So the, the, the House of Representatives makes a case for impeachment, mm -hmm. but once they've made a case for impeachment and they produce articles for impeachment, they then have to take those articles and give them to the Senate. Yes, yeah, like, the Senate's the one that does the trial. It's like law and order. Yeah, it's kind like of. you got your, you know, the police, they take people in and they exactly. build a case, and then yeah. you've got your prosecutors who then take that and decide whether to charge people with an actual thing. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that's going on right now is uh, there are some people who are saying, well, you know, who relish in the idea that President Trump has been impeached, but then. When you look at the standards set by the law, has he really been impeached? Now, here's the thing. As believers, <laughs> aside from the desire to, to want to be truthful in how we understand things that are happening, we also need to understand that the world which we see around us is, uh, is basic. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And this world that we live in, he's the dominant authority in this world. And, and, and what we see, the perversion of truth and the uh, false narratives that people put out and, and all those things, that's his deal. And as believers, we just need to try to sift through all this stuff and uh, pray for those that are in power, as Scripture encourages us to do. And moreover, pray that God would, um, you know, would bring about His will. So, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm not going to get into the the do I agree or disagree or whatever. But there are some things that have happened. You might double back, for example, to, you know, the the basis of our laws in this country. Uh, and you may be saying to yourself, you know, Pastor Monty, that really doesn't affect me. You are so wrong. <laughs> you are so wrong. Uh, when you go back to example what happened with uh, Judge Kavanaugh's hearings where they were uh, basically asserting the Me Too movement were, you know, were asserting that 30 years ago something that he might or might not have done, well, it is supposedly he did do, but could not be substantiated. Uh, the senators that were examining him took, the Democratic senators took the position that he was guilty and he had to prove himself innocent. In the case of what's happening with President Trump, it's the same narrative that is being put out there. But our legal system is based upon the premise that you are innocent until you can be proven guilty. And there's a movement in our country to flip that so that you have to prove your innocence uh, over the fact that you're being charged as being guilty. It's a dangerous thing that we see going on. The uh, second thing that I would just segue into is that y'all should be praying for this thing that's going on with, um, with uh, Iran right now. From a biblical standpoint, um, the, what you have to be aware of is that, is that we're coming to a part where Iran has been the principal purveyor of, of uh, Islamic terrorism 
throughout the Middle East against uh, directed against Israel, uh, directed against the United States, and this stuff that we see going on right now, um, it will be interesting to see where it takes us. Could this draw us in? Could the stage be being set for um, the return of the Lord? I don't know. <coughs> what I do know is that um, China and Russia uh, both take the sides of uh, Iran and are upset with the United States for, for uh, President Trump specifically for taking this move uh, that he moved. And yet, uh, from a military standpoint, um, and remember, I was, even though I was just a, a humble cook on a submarine, I still have military experience. And my observation from a military standpoint is that, um, you know, strategically, uh, this guy needed to be taken out. He was planning all kinds of stuff against the United States over the last year. Uh, he had provoked and provoked and provoked uh, bombing ships, uh, shooting down drones. Uh, and finally, when he killed, when somebody got killed uh, in one of his directed escapades, President Trump said, enough. And I would liken it to, you know how it is when you got a fly flying around and they're pestering you? Yes, And you swat at them and you ignore them and you just want them to go away, but they won't go away. And finally you get fed up and say, you know what? You're dead, fly. And you take it out. That's kind of what I see this as being. The bigger picture is, as believers, you need to understand that, that all this stuff that's happening in the Middle East, it does affect you because Scripture doesn't say anything. Listen to me carefully. Scripture says nothing about the United States in the end times. Right. But says a great deal about Israel and those that will come against Israel. So, and, and Iran has made it very clear that their, their foremost desire if they get a hold of a nuclear weapon, is to is to bomb Israel and the United States into oblivion. Yeah. So you need to be praying about these things. Well, and that's where the stage. I mean, the United States, like honestly, like from a from a theological perspective, who cares? Um, yes. And I say that very specifically. Don't take my words out of context. Make sure to add the be, the first part from a theological perspective. Yes. Who, who cares? But um, but Iran, that's you know that's right there in the heart of it. That's right there in the heart of it. And yeah. It's the, that's there's a lot of prophecy surrounding that area. So it's something to be something to keep our eyes out for. Yeah, and something to pray about, and again, you know, be aware that uh, you, you want to be observant of what's happening, but you don't want to get too excited. And there are a lot of people that will polarize in how it is that they view these things. As believers, we want to be careful that what we stand for is an understanding of God's Word and the direction God's Word gives and the truth that is behind that. I will say I had to, um, for our cadre program here at ABF, during the impeachment, going back to the impeachment um, trials or whatever, um, you know, when the votes came in, President Trump was narrowly impeached by votes. Um, you know, I mean, it was all over the news. And I did have to talk with the kids that were here at the 
um, cadre program and just be like, okay, like your president is still the president. You right. don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. We'll just watch what's going on, but here's what this looks like. And, um, you know, we just need to be really careful about sort of rumor mongering. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and false narratives. Keep our eyes open about what's going on because there's just a lot of that going on. As Christians, our focus shouldn't really be on any of these things. So it's right. important for us to it's important for us to be um, versed in what's happening in society because you're going to have a lot of people who are saying things and throwing things all over the place in different ways. And especially for our children who are growing up in this environment, that can make them things very unstable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important for us to be versed enough to talk about it, but we ourselves shouldn't be freaking out about it. And if we remain calm, then they'll, they'll remain calm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's our first uh, episode for this year. Hope that you've been blessed. If you like uh, that, don't forget to hit... <laughs> What 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 is the spiel, Josh? Hit the subscribe button. Uh, I'll give it to you right now. Tell us you like it. You yeah, know? I'll give it to you right now. All Let, right. Let's close out the show. Um, Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, and it is a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance, which is ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the local church and the church at large. If you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, you can join Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity and Cross-Examination. Um, and you'll be able to like comment and, and question in real time. Um, speaking of those shows, this is season three of the VRN, and there's going to be a lot of changes coming up. So pay attention and look out for those things. Um, as we address them more. Culture Insanity will be this Saturday. So be paying attention and looking out for that. And if you have enjoyed Truth Time today, consider supporting us. Our network and shows, they're free to you, but they are definitely not free to us. You can head over to abfpdx.org and click the Donate tab. Um, or you can uh, help us out you know, on the Cash app or on um, Apple Pay or Google Pay. Honestly, we have all sorts of ways to help us out. And even a dollar, you know, even a dollar a month or a dollar here and there would be really helpful for us to buy our equipment and so on and so forth. So uh, we'll put it to good use. And if you're poor like us, that's okay. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast, which you can always find on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, and Facebook, and the VRN Facebook group. So take a second to do that. If you enjoyed this particular podcast and you're excited that we're back, share it. Uh, And remember that this content is shared by us to you on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And we will see you next week. I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF. And this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lathea Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.